We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. All right, we are here. Live edition of Three Ma, John Kurtz, Derek Young, Cole Manbeck, all with you here. And guys, look, before I, I, we really get into this show ad nauseum today, I think we need to acknowledge a couple of things. One, we heard all season since the 5 0 or 6 0, was it 5 0? 5 0 start by the Kansas Jayhawks. My apologies. How can I mess up college football's greatest story this year? A 5 0 start. By the Kansas Jayhawks this year, we heard about the gap being closed, correct? Gap was closing, and congratulations to the Kansas Jayhawks. By God, that gap did close. Last year, Lance Leipold lost to K-State by 25. This year, boys, Lance Leipold only lost to K-State by 20. So congratulations to Lance Leipold and the Jayhawks for trimming that gap, baby. Trimming that gap yesterday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. A hearty round of applause is needed there. But at the same time, I think we need to give a lot of credit to Kansas State's quarterback, Will Howard, for putting together a Herculean effort, becoming the only quarterback in NCAA history to lead six touchdown drives while playing through Scarlet Fever. It was quite an accomplishment for Will Howard, who had to battle through cholera, reports of dysentery, but in the end, it turns out it was Scarlet Fever, and the man led six touchdown drives through a couple of really nice touchdown passes. So congratulations to Will Howard. Uh, on doing that. It was uh, it was a hell of a day, boys. Hell of a night. Hell of a night out of Bill Snyder Family Stadium. I would agree. And, and on top of all that, just the lofty status that they've achieved at this point, uh, none of the pools are out, but I think we can anticipate due to, man, a lot of chaos in college football over the weekend that Kansas State will be a top 10 team in just about every metric, uh, unless I guess you're listening to Brett McMurphy, who is still ranking Kansas State at number 15 as of this morning. Um, which is interesting to say the least. Uh, I mean, so, it, and, and I believe he jumped Oregon State uh, 37 spots in his poll. For yeah, the- they are now a top 10 team. Yeah, somehow. 
um, after not being ranked a week ago. So that that was an interesting pull. But yeah, top 10, uh, not just clinching a Bitola championship game, but clinching a Sugar Bowl appearance because uh, with the rules and the stipulations of that, Kansas State will be likely in the Sugar Bowl regardless. Now, their opponent is up in the air quite a lot Bama. more. Bama. Yeah, Bama now has a path to the playoff, let's be honest. They're going to they they literally could back into the playoff pretty easily. So that, no, 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 Dy, you're mistaking me. I we we want Bama. I know, but we uh, want Bama. All the chaos yesterday, you just never know. And then on top of that, you know, it's going to be a great platform for the Big Twelve, and they deserve this because it is easily the most relevant and appealing, and probably will be the most entertaining conference championship game. So they will have College Game Day at it, and it. Probably made it an easy choice for college game day because I do believe Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit are calling the game. Great opportunity for the program. Uh, great PR opportunity. Your Kansas State's going to be top 10, as you mentioned, DY. It's going to be the sexiest matchup on championship Saturday, college game day, talking about you on that national stage. Uh, the spotlight is going to be on Kansas State TCU on Saturday, and there's going to be a lot of talk. And, and Kansas State, that number next to your – that ranking number next to your name, it's huge. I mean, it's first time Kansas State's going to be in the top 10 since 2014. Uh, it, it's just a monumental opportunity. Heck, you got – with all the upsets that occurred last night, I started looking at it. I was like, could K-State be the first three-loss playoff team ever? I mean, you know, I, I obviously don't anticipate that, but that's that's where they put themselves in a situation where you beat TCU and you're talking about finishing the uh, the season and the playoff poll around seven or six. It's, uh, it's a huge – huge opportunity for this program. And, and I'm just thrilled that they're going to be on that stage that they got it done when, you know, I, I didn't give them much of a chance after that Texas game. I thought the odds were stacked against them. It's asking a lot to win out those last three games and need that Texas loss and credit to this team. I mean, they not only won out those last three games, but they dominated, you know, they beat Baylor by 28. They beat West Virginia by 17 and they beat Kansas by 20. Uh, they, they just laid it to them all. And I know the Kansas game was maybe a little closer than that final score dictates, but to still win by 20, you hand Kansas their second worst defeat of the season. You know, the, the worst game they had, the, the second worst loss or the worst loss they had before Texas was a 12 point loss at Baylor. You know, Kansas State beats them by 20. There were 12 point favorites. They covered the number, weird field conditions, everything. Uh, just a great win. And, you know, I thought it, it felt, like Kansas State's defense was maybe struggling a lot at times. and But you look at the final numbers and you're like, I, I would have thought KU had a lot more yards than they did. It just uh, the final box score shows that K-State's defense really patched things up, put things together in that second half and played one of the better defensive performances Kansas has faced this year. Well, I, I want to point this out, Cole, because uh, we kind of just did a, an overview of everything there. But you, you brought up like, hey, the playoff, like a three loss. There, there was a tweet from Max Olson this morning that said, according to 538, so he's using 538's little chart here, K-State pops up at, at six in like chances that the team makes the playoff if they win their conference championship. It's at 52%. It says a 52% chance of making the playoff if you win the conference championship. I, I don't know where 538 exactly is getting those numbers. Um, I can assure you there is not a 52% chance of K-State making the college football playoff if they beat TCU. Maybe a 2% chance. You can remove the five. 
Um, but I guess nice publicity anyway. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to be one to sit here and dwell on like the, the losses this year or whatever, but you know, it does kind of like, I don't know what it would be interesting if they didn't have the Tulane loss or if they had beaten Texas or what, you know, whichever one you want to choose there, where, where that would sit right now. If, if they were a one loss team and that, like you said, defeated Tulane in Texas, the winner of K-State TCU is probably going to the playoff. That, that probably becomes a playoff game in itself. So that's interesting. The 52% chance I'm with you. I don't know where they were getting those numbers. I can assure you those are incorrect, even though Cole will probably try to put together a convincing case here in a second. But let's put it this way. A three-loss Kansas State's not getting in over a two-loss Alabama or a one-loss Ohio State, regardless if the Buckeyes got their butt stomped at home by Michigan. And you can rub it in if you want. Well, the uh, the next show, DY, before the uh, Big Twelve Championship, I'm gonna I'll put up like the horrible bosses thing, and I'll be back there trying to figure out how Kansas State can make their way into the Big Twelve or into the, the college football playoff. You beat TCU, you knock them out in front of you potentially. Uh, of course, that that would be so strange that a one loss TCU <laughs> is, is ranked, but that split the season with K State if they won. Uh, but uh, yes, yeah, two less losses. <laughs> yeah, two less losses. Hey, you know what though? You got to root for Tulane this weekend in the AAC championship game. Up that strength of schedule, get them in the New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, you know, yeah, Tulane and TCU are a combined twenty-two and two this season. So two of K State's losses. You add Texas in there. K State's three losses are against teams that combined thirty and six. Uh, I, I think that also factors into why K State's been so respected by the College Football Playoff Committee. Uh, their resume, all their advanced metrics, et cetera, show this is really a top 11, top 10 team uh, throughout the season. So, yeah, no, I, I think the playoff is by far a long shot. I'm very happy with the uh, the spot that Kansas State's in. Uh, but I, I just I make that comment because it is so strange to be in a three loss team to have us, you know, to even be in that realm of discussion as a potential talking point i do want to know how 538 came up with that data <laughs> I, I really would love to know because yeah you're right the fact that you speak it out loud you're like okay well so you'd have one lost tcu sitting there you're like wait one lost tcu that has beaten you once this year <laughs> what are we doing <laughs> oh man okay another thing i want to hit on just before we dive deep into the game and all that and this is kind of going in reverse order but uh dy you brought up uh the the sugar bowl right and i i know that we've gone over like the the actual like uh, would you call it the bylaws or whatever on the big 12 website that you read about would would indicate that yes if tcu were to go to the playoff the next highest ranked regular season finishing team would then occupy that sugar bowl spot we don't know if that's but you were there in the press box i i presume talking to folks dy so i'm this is why i'm asking you here how confident you are about the sugar bowl being a virtual guarantee at this point because you know apparently tcu's athletic director was already out there campaigning for, for maybe tcu getting into sugar bowl even if they lose the the big 12 championship game that they should be able to supersede that which cole cole may have i mean my guy cole's already ready to have some words with jeremiah donati at the <laughs> tcu if that were to happen i can't so i just maybe jeremiah donati. for you dy what, what do you think right now Maybe Jeremiah Donati thinks Kansas State's making the playoff if they went. Maybe that was his. Oh, maybe uh, that's it. He reads five thirty-eight. Yeah. No, uh, no. The the funny thing is, is like I don't know why he's trying to. The funny thing is, he's laying out a scenario where the Big Twelve champion that doesn't go to the playoff still doesn't go to the Sugar Bowl, which that is completely the inverse of how that happens. Now, if TCU goes to the playoff. I do think it's Kansas State, no matter what. 
I don't, I don't really recall a lot of discussion. I've heard that Kansas State certainly expects that it's Sugar Bowl no matter what. I don't know. Here, here's what I know. On the Sugar Bowl website, the Sugar Bowl bylaws or what have you actually says it's the next best record, and that's Kansas State. They went 7-2. and two. It's not even the next ranked team according to the Sugar Bowl for the Big 12. It is the next, rec- next ranked SEC team. Um, so that's interesting. It's different. For the Big 12, it's the next best record. For SEC, it's the next ranked. So if it's next best record, as the Sugar Bowl's website indicates, then it is Kansas State regardless, and you're looking at probably playing Alabama um, as long as they don't make the playoff. It, it, if they did, is Tennessee like next in line then? Is that what I, it would I would assume, although LSU and Tennessee both have two losses and LSU beat the crap out of Tennessee, or did L, or how did that go? Yeah, the or no, no, uh, Tennessee, Tennessee beat LSU. Or it is probably Tennessee. Tennessee thumped LSU pretty good. Unless, yeah. unless LSU would upset Georgia. Well, yeah, okay. So we're kind of looking at like Bama, Bama, LSU, Tennessee. I mean, it would be it would be yeah. an awesome game, an awesome experience. I, the concern to me there is like Texas is, of course, the next team lurking. Uh, so if there is some way to get around that, uh, you would think that would be the scenario where they would find a way to, right? But I guess anyway. Well, I, I can tell you, just like Dy said, K State fully expects to be in the Sugar Bowl, regardless. They're they're fully planning on that. I, I think, you know, you also think about the Big Twelve, right? Now I know the Bulls have a say in this but the big 12 is not going to be pushing for texas to go to the sugar bowl over k-state you know brett your market team aren't going to be pushing for a team that's leaving this league to step over a team in the conference championship game uh you know look if k-state loses this game against tcu they the, the way the committee has respected them they maybe drop one or two spots texas would still be like eight or nine spots behind them in the playoff poll It'd be such a bad look, even if they could find a way around the bylaws. And look, I know K-State's been screwed a lot before, and K-State fans go to the worst worst case scenario in these situations because the Bulls are such a sham with how they handle this. But I, I think you can feel very confident that K-State will be in the Sugar Bowl regardless. And you know what? Jeremiah, Jeremiah Donati never responded to my DMs from my Fort Worth experience. And I, I am excited to go to Arlington with a militia of K-State fans backing me, and I'll be prepared this time. I'll have my full body armor to protect myself, and uh, you know I'll have my shield and everything to protect myself from the beer throwing. So uh, I'm just excited to have a lot more K-State fans around me at this trip. And, and kids, they'll have two cracks at a tenth win, which uh, you know is pretty significant, I think, for the program. Yeah, um, Cole. By the way, the uh bar owners and bourbon street are the ones that should really be campaigning for k-state to, to get to the sugar bowl because lord knows how many whiskey sevens you're going to throw down if, if you get to, to bourbon street on uh, new year's <laughs> like that's i i mean i gotta tell you i i had ben holiday bottled in bond bourbon yesterday from our friends at holiday distillery at our tailgate which thank you to everybody that stopped by all of our listeners it was a great time uh, god that that stuff was so good if you guys haven't had it you need to buy a bottle uh quite the tailgate setup that uh our friends at Holiday Distillery 360 Vodka threw for us yesterday. That was it was a heck of a time, and uh, the drinks were were magnificent. Yeah, I was saying that, and uh, thank you to everybody who stopped by. It was really cool to uh, to meet a bunch of you guys that came by and said hey to us. So yeah, 360 Vodka, Ben Holiday, Bottle and Bond Bourbon, uh, get it ready to go for Arlington this weekend. Which Cole, don't don't let me forget, man. We gotta we gotta figure out like 
travel plans, tickets. What are we, what are we doing here? We gotta we gotta do that this morning after we get done with this. Yes, we will. We will uh, get everything organized today throughout today. Get the tickets arranged. Get the travel plans arranged. Uh, sounds like my wife may be going, but Brody may be going. But John, we'll have room in our van for okay, you. Okay. Uh, okay. Perfect. I, Cole, I was gonna cut you off just to say, will you will you please tell everybody here the Brody story about what he uh, yesterday morning. Uh, <laughs> and the fact that he didn't get to get you, you deprived him of going to the KU game. Did he get to stay uh, up and watch the whole thing? Yeah, he, he stayed up and watched the whole game. Uh, okay. he woke me up, he woke me up this morning and just came into the room screaming that we're going to the championship. Uh, next week is his birthday. Uh, I've said it on the show before, but I committed months ago that we'd go to the Big 12 championship if K State made it. He's been so invested and locked in. And yesterday morning, on Saturday morning, he came down and woke me up and he said, daddy, it is the biggest day of our lives. <laughs> and I'm sitting there. I, I got like this nauseous, sick feeling in the pit of my stomach. Like, Oh my God, my kid is going to like, if I have to come home and think it like K-State loses somehow, you know, that kid's going to li live, you know, a life of heartbreak and agony. Like I grew up with in multiple situations like that. And so, to not have to deal and deliver that bad news to get there. I was more nervous for him. And, and uh, yeah, I guess that shows the, the pressure I'm putting on my five-year-old in the sports world. I mean, he's, he's fully locked in and uh, I'm just glad we're going to be able to make that trip together. I know this is not a podcast for this, but apparently Wisconsin has reverse course, I guess, because they lost and finished six and six. Because Pete Dimble has just reported they are targeting Luke Fickle to be their new head coach. Whoa. Wow. I thought – I had seen like two reports out there about Jim Leonard. I thought that was done too, but then they went yeah. six and six. So they're not uh, did, did Are we sure that Lance Leipold's signature – like that's valid by the uh, the agent and the legal people? Lance Lance might be having his legal team look through that a little carefully He's now. like, wait, Jim Leonard's not their coach? <laughs> wow. Okay, coaching carousel, man. It never, it never fails to deliver, especially these days. So uh, that's okay. That is wild, Luke Fickle. Honestly, I mean, my initial reaction, thinking from a Big Twelve perspective, is that that would suck for the Big Twelve. That that would that would not be yeah. good for uh, for Fickle to leave. Um, boy, it's weird, but it's weird that he he would leave Cincinnati for Wisconsin when he chose not to leave Cincinnati for Michigan State. Seems like a similar situation. Yeah, I don't know. I. Yeah, whatever. That's a debate for a different day. I'd probably rather have the Wisconsin gig, but yeah. uh, I digress. Okay. I'm, I'm curious for this conversation about the actual game yesterday because, like, Cole Cole is very good and disciplined at games of, like, I know you said put your phone in airplane mode or whatever, but, like, Cole is just not actively involved in the, in the group chat at all. Um, I mean, I was completely on edge, and I was trying to – temper myself as much as I could. That's why, and it was nice that I had a little bit to roll with, with the cholera dysentery thing, because then I could just say, you know, just wait until you fire off those tweets and just get that. But, you know, there were, there were some moments, there were some moments, particularly the Julius Brent's pass interference that eventually got overturned. I apologize to everybody that was sitting around me uh, at that point. I started slamming the bleachers as hard as I could with a lot of four letter words. And I mean, a lot of four letter words. So anyway, but it worked out and it was great. So let's, where, where do you guys want to start as far as the game goes? What do you think is the most pertinent, like, salient point from the game? I guess my, my overall thought quickly would be just th this team showed why they're a Big 12 championship caliber team because they, they take shots. I mean, it was just like the West Virginia game. They take some shots, and they just bounce right back and keep rolling, and it doesn't matter, and they find a way. 
They're good enough to adjust in game, which is what the defense did. I just, you know, felt like a, a carbon copy kind of over the last couple of weeks where they, they showed their championship medal, I think, in a lot of different ways. I thought it was carbon copy of the West Virginia game. Yeah. That, those two games are basically the same same thing. What, what it comes down to, like you said, they do trade punches. They take a punch, they'll give you one right back. But for me, look, the defense makes adjustments at halftime. They kind of made a habit of that, being a really good second-half team on defense. They give up six points in the last seven possessions, I believe. If you want to go look back in the last five games, I think in the second half combined, they've given up 15 total points in the last five second halves. So kind of tells you Joe Klannerman's winning the halftime adjustment game. But more than anything, because of the, like you said, the taking shots and delivering it right back, I think it's because at this point, I I just wrote it. I think they are an offensive juggernaut. At, every time they have the ball, it seems like they're going to score. Over four points per drive, what, in four or five straight games? Uh, Will Howard at quarterback has basically been an unstoppable force at this point. Colin Klein becomes a better offensive coordinator with every week. They are just, you know, when since Will Howard took the reins in the various games that he's quarterbacked, no team has really had an answer for this offense. And to be quite frank, it wasn't all Will Howard against Kansas. So I'm not going to give him all of the credit, even though he's been great. In the second half, they threw the ball four times. That's it. They didn't even complete a pass in the second half, I do I do not think. Um, that's when Deuce Vaughn took over. DJ Giddens continues to be a fourth-down closer. Look, the offensive line played a pretty – pretty poor first half and will howard was pretty good in spite of it but in the second half the offensive line i don't know what happened at halftime there was a pretty tough conversation but they came out roaring in the second half and they controlled the game and and they put the game on the offensive lines back and they carried we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, one of my one of my biggest frustrations in that first half, DY, was the offensive line. I mean, the running game. K-State had 63 yards on 12 designed runs in the first half, but 32 of those came on one Deuce Vaughn run. And then there was nothing else really popping other than the Malik Knowles little jet sweeps for the two touchdowns. The second half, K-State runs the ball 27 times for 168 yards and averages 6.2 yards per carry. You know, they manned up and pushed them around and got that running game going. K-State ran the ball on 26 of their final 27 plays to end the game and inserted their will and their physicality and wore that KU defense down. Cause there was a point where the time of possession KU had about a 10, 11 minute advantage in that game. And then finally K-State was able to start to dominate up front. And, you know, they ended up averaging five and a half yards per carry, which to my surprise tied for the second most against that KU defense, the entire season uh, KU only Texas seven and a half yards per carry was more than what K-State rushed for on average against that KU defense, which is not good. Uh, but, you know, K-State was able to run the ball effectively in that second half and really dictate the pace of the game. You know, when I look at that game, I think of three big spots, maybe four big spots situations that where the game could have swung. Uh, obviously, shout out to Ty Zentner, man. And we, we talk about yeah. him later. Like, yeah, that, that kid, he, he, he played his ass off. I mean, he – the hang time that he was putting on the punts was incredible. The distance, everything, obviously the muff punt to start the game. That was huge because KU gets the ball after K-State has to go three and out and goes down the field and scores. You get a little anxiety in that stadium. So for K-State to get up 7 nothing and then never trail throughout the game, that was huge. Another big play by Zentner was the kickoff where he, he pooch kicked it up high at around the five-yard line, and that results eventually in the safety. Because they had a block in the back. They start at the four-yard line in case they gets the safety. Another big play by him there. Obviously, everything he's done, he's eight of eight on field goals since he took over the job. So uh, he's he's been a, quite the weapon. But what I want to say also, where this game could have swung, you have the third and 11 at your own four, and Deuce Vaughn gets an 80-yard screen, which K-State has not had success running that type of screen no. all year. And it worked. And so that was a huge play. K-State gets a touchdown. Uh, to push it back out. And then another huge play, Will Howard fumble, right? And you start to think, if KU goes down and scores, they had they had two minutes. They go down and score, it's 30 to 28 at half, and KU gets the ball to start the second half. But K-State's defense manned up, got a three and out, got to halftime up two scores, and then you know goes out in the second half and never lets it get within that one score margin. And then obviously the, the two-point conversion play was huge because you would have felt some pressure at that point, but to keep it at 10, you felt decent about that. Special teams was just huge in that game. The Malik Knowles kick return uh, special teams played great. I mean, we talked about it all year. That's got to be an advantage area for you. Ty Zentner averages 63 yards per punt an average net of 57 KU's punter on his five punts averaged a net of 38 yards per punt. That's a huge advantage area. And then the kick return game, everything K-State outplayed him big time there. Yeah. I, I will. I will throw in one last play, and this the game was, yeah, maybe not over, but fairly much, fairly in doubt at this point. But another huge play is the play that Felix made on third down when it was a two possession game. To, I think it was Devin Neal just got him in the backfield like a TFL, 
Um, and that was when Leipold decided not to go for it, which to me was a curious decision there. Um, I would be a little frustrated with that if I were a Kansas fan, but just, just one last play to tack on there when it's still, they could drive down, make it a one possession game and put some pressure back on you. Ty Zender, uh, I don't know. You might have mentioned this. The, it was his punt that really caused the muff to begin the game, too. I mean, that guy had to chase backwards and oh, yeah. run it down. So um, I think that played a part in the muff and set up, obviously, Kansas State's first touchdown. And pretty timely for him. I will Look, some of the stuff is what have you done for me lately and right after the awards when all their eyes are on you. He just was named a semifinalist for the Ray Guy Award. And then has that kind of performance, it makes you wonder if that you know maybe uplifts him into the finalist category and a real chance of winning that thing. That'd be cool. That'd be cool, man. He he deserves it. And a guy that, by the way, just like bleeds purple, loves K State. His quote after the game, I saw you tweet, Dy. Like there's no no place better in the world than than Kansas State. He did the kiss kiss the power cat thing on the on the turf before he left. Uh, So yeah, shout shout out to Ty Zender, man. Yeah, he played at. Butler Community College, Shawnee Heights, and Topeka. Go ahead, cool. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I mean, really, D.Y., to your point, he was res- largely responsible for nine of K-State's first 16 points, right? I mean, the safety can be largely credited to him because of where he set him up and the muff punt. I mean, yeah, that that the punt was absolutely the reason it got muffed. He, he banged that thing, and it was so high in the air, and the b- wet football, I mean, yeah, that it was a huge punt. I mean, he was, just, he, he was great. And Bren- Brendan Mott. Uh, deserves credit for he he's the one that forced that holding call to get that safety as well. Yeah, yeah, he was. That was my first reaction. I was like, man, Brendan Mont doing it again. That guy continues to find ways to make plays, and I mean they they seemingly are just finding guys making plays at, at the right moments at, at any point. It's it's interesting. I'm just a, a thought that I had is like Cole talked about. You know, I mean, the last three weeks they they've blown teams out back to back to back to win these games, and yet at times you're like. You know, there are moments with the defense or even the offense in this Kansas game where you're like, man, this is really frustrating. It doesn't feel like – like I would have told you my overall feeling about the offense coming out of the Kansas game was like, eh, yeah, they were pretty good. But, like, I don't know. There were there were some moments that left something. And, and then you look up at the end of the day and you're beating teams by three touchdowns on your way to the Big 12 championship game, which to me is just evidence like they, they do have more depth than we thought at the beginning of the year. They're finding guys to step up and make plays. They're, they dealt with – not having two safeties again. And I thought for sure Kansas was going to hit a huge player too because of some miscommunication on the back end uh, with guys like VJ Payne having to step up and play. And that really didn't happen. I mean, that's something Kansas, they had the, they had the ball down the sideline. That was maybe a push off kind of a one-on-one jump ball. Jalen Daniels got loose for a big scramble, but I, I don't know. They didn't have like the massive, massive plays for a team that's that's really all about the big plays. And they're 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 just finding ways to kind of patchwork some things through that and still play to a championship caliber level. Yeah, I think the only times where it felt like, I mean, they were getting getting to K-State was maybe early in the run game. I mean, but that's Devin Neal making plays too. So you gotta tip your cat to him. Yeah. He he that dude can play. Um he's one of my you know, favorites probably to watch in the league. That guy, you know, from Lawrence High, too. So good for him. I'm glad that he wasn't really badly injured, obviously, because he can play and he's a good kid, too. So you like to see that for him. Um, but yeah, they never really had a whole lot going in the passing game. Well, let's go back to the other side of the field, too. We were talking about the offensive line, not necessarily having a good first half, but then coming out in the second half and just kind of dominating. And I thought the defensive line did the same thing. So I think that. Really what flipped was, you know, in the second half where you dominate the line of scrimmage, where I think KU controlled the line of scrimmage in the first half. 
it, it's funny. It's going to be ironic because you you were laughing and, and making jokes, um, you know, deservedly at the the case. Some of the KU media reports, right, about Will Howard's thing. Well, the offensive line, I think, had, did have a bug going through it, and there were some guys, you know, playing through some, you know, illnesses throughout the week through the game. So I think some of that too is maybe getting halftime. I don't know if you get another IV in there or whatever, but I think that probably helped because. I know there were some of those guys dealing with, with some sickness throughout the week along the offensive line. I think that was the problem spot when it came to the sickness this week. Not necessarily Will Howard, who probably had something going, it sounded like, early in the week that wasn't even flu-like symptoms. But I think it was the offensive line that we're kind of concerned about. I think even the announcers, now it was Tim Brando, so take this for what it's worth. But it sounded like even maybe at the beginning of the game or before the game said there was, that they heard or were told that there's a chance that they're can't say would have to use multiple centers. So I don't think they ever had to, but it kind of shows you that the offensive line was going in there probably not 100% for that game, which you know makes it more impressive what they were probably able to do in the second half. And another thing with the offensive line that I like talking about, I don't know if you guys saw, that they really had that jumbo package. Just as the third week in a row that they've used it. Andrew Langang sometimes as a sixth offensive lineman. You know, against Kansas, they even had a package. I think they scored on it with seven offensive linemen on the field. They brought in Carver Willis as a six one and that Andrew Line gang almost as a fullback at times. So that that's pretty fun. It had been with just DJ Giddens on the field, but this time they did it with Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, I really I like the play call on the fourth and goal. Um to go outside with Deuce there and have a walk-in touchdown because KU had loaded the box. And you think of that KU defense, you don't think they're very good. But I can recall multiple goal line stands by that KU defense. Remember the Oklahoma game in Norman when they had four shots from the one-yard line and OU couldn't get it in right before halftime against that KU defense. So, you know, when you're loading the box with 11 guys, it's hard to get a push. Um, They bottled it up, but K-State got on the perimeter and got that touchdown. You know, on the defensive side of the ball, John, you mentioned big plays. Devin Neal's longest rush in the game was 11 yards. You know, he averaged 3.7 yards per carry, second lowest that he's had this season in the game. Uh, and Daniels' longest pass was 33 yards, but outside of that, no real big plays, to your point. And how often did they run that? You know, they ran a lot of option, speed option, but they also ran a lot of option drop back, right? Yeah. And that is so hard to defend you know, because of all the movement and the misdirection they're doing and the, the tricks they can play on you. And how many times did they do that? And Jalen Daniels had no one to throw to. He sat back there and couldn't find anybody open. Now, there were a couple times where, you know, he missed a couple guys where they did have guys open right over the middle. There was one that could have been a touchdown if if it's right on the money and goes deep. But for the most part, you know, K-State was able to hang in there with their replacement safeties and get the job done. And You know, 28 plays in the second half, 96 yards for that KU offense, 3.4 yards per play. You know, D.Y. mentioned their last seven drives of the game. They score six points. K-State holds KU to 2.45 points per drive for the entire game. KU came into that game number 20 in the country, averaging 2.9 points per drive. So you hold them below. K-State held KU guys to a season worst five and a half yards per pass. They were over six yards per pass in every game this season. They were number eight in the country in yards per pass this year, led the Big 12. K-State's secondary, the job they did was phenomenal. And KU only averaged 4.9 yards per play, which is the second lowest of the season for the Jayhawks, behind only the 4.6 yards per play they had against Iowa State 
earlier in the year. So, yeah, K-State's defense was so good. And in the second half, I mentioned the 28 plays for 96 yards, only 14 carries for 29 yards, two yards per carry in that second half. That's a KU offense that was averaging six and a half yards per carry over the previous three games, which ranked number five in the country in that time span. They can really run the football. And, the you know, you look up the final numbers, and like I said earlier, it felt like KU had more yards than that because they kept sustaining drives. Like, it felt like they just, in case they couldn't get off the field at points. But at the end of the day, the numbers were were, were really good. The defense stepped up. Probably meant that Kansas is successful. Kansas's success rate on offense, that's tough to say, um, was probably probably higher than some of those numbers would indicate too, I imagine. Just by down and distance, they were probably doing better. Yeah, I that, I agree. That's that's exactly how it felt. Um, but I think it speaks to Cole, some some the thought that having a week, if you give Joe Klanerman like a week to prepare for an injury in the secondary and figure out how you're gonna work around it, get a guy ready and make sure that they're they're knowing how many snaps they're going to be playing, et cetera, et cetera, then, then it's a much better situation than losing a guy in the heat of battle in game. Now, I guess Kobe Savage, I say that, I mean, Kobe Savage, they didn't have any problem um, after it happened against Baylor, but it felt like against West Virginia, it was like when Sincere Mason went out, they, they started having real big issues. DJ Payne was having trouble with some run, uh, run fits, et cetera. And, um, and it didn't, it didn't feel like a major weakness. Like you didn't, look out there at the defense and say like, oh, there's, there's a huge glaring weakness there. And Derek, I know you early in the game were saying that Kansas was wisely really going after both VJ Payne and Nick Allen, you know, a couple of guys that, that would be perceived weak links on that defense, but it Joe Klanderman found a way to really neutralize that uh, throughout the game as it wore on. Yeah. Especially with VJ Payne, um, because he played a better game than he did against West Virginia, especially better against the run. I think uh, you think you saw KU maybe pick on him a little bit in the passing game, but he, he made strides in the running game, at least wasn't blowing through gaps and weren't necessarily his like he did with the run fits in Morgantown. So I think he took a step forward, and the more he plays, the better he'll be. And he's just an 18, 19-year-old kid at this point. So bright future ahead of him. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, don't, I don't even remember seeing, I'll have to look, did T.J. Smith really play? Uh I saw TJ Smith out there several times. They um, they also had a, a set on that 16-play drive in the second half KU had. They had Max Marsh, former walk-on quarterback, uh, out there at safety for a few snaps as well. So, you know, they were getting kind of thin back there trying to rotate guys. Drake Cheatham got banged up on a play. He came back in on the very next play because it was into the quarter. It was back in on that first play of the, the fourth quarter. But yeah, they uh, that was that was a drive where I, I think KU they had the 16 play touchdown drive in the second half, and every other drive was three plays or less uh, in the second half. So it was just that one drive. KC was getting gassed. Uh, KU kept converting on third, fourth down, but uh, you know the defense bottled them up outside of that, which is why I think that two point conversion play was so big, yeah. just because you know you get in an eight point game, K State really has to score then, uh, so keep it at 10 and then the big kick return to follow. And to your point, John, I couldn't believe Leipold punted. I mean, I, I just assumed at that point in the game that everything was four down territory for yeah. KU and that they would call plays anticipating that. And I just, I, I, I was saying to my friends in the stands, I, you know, if, uh, and BJ Kissel, he was sitting next to me. I was like, you give this KU offense, if they come into it determined that they have four plays to get 10 yards, that's a hard offense to stop. If they have four plays every 10 to get 10 yards to get a first down and, you know, K-State's defense, Felix, that was a heck of a play, but I, I still can't believe they didn't go for it. 
Yeah, I thought a critical to me. I know you talked about the two point conversion, which I think is fair to put some stock into that. I thought the biggest critical section of the game was when it was the end of the first half, beginning of the second half, where Kansas State had three three and outs in a row after the defense had been struggling. And then the fourth one was when Drake Cheatham forced a fumble that was recovered by Desmond yeah. Purnell. So that was four defensive possessions in a row where you had three three and outs and forced the turnover. I thought the game turned right there. Yeah, yeah, because at that point it felt like there was no chance of stopping the Kansas offense every single time they got the ball. And uh, they, they strung that together and kind of weathered the storm there until the offense could get it figured out and start ground and pounding uh, the, the rest of the way. So, yes, the big plays there. And I, I don't know, Cole, I, to, to finish just on the light bulb point, I, it, one thing I had heard talking to Kansas friends of mine, even Kansas media folks, uh, that friends of mine, that was kind of what they said, like, Love almost everything Lance Leipold is doing, but there have been a couple of like game management, in-game tactical errors that had left them frustrated. And I, I have not watched Kansas football closely enough this year to had really picked up on that. But that was like the first moment where I got like I got like a hint of that, where I was like, man, I just I I don't know about that. Like how you're in a two-possession game with your offense. I mean, you're basically that comes down to like, okay, you're trusting your defense now. I mean, you know, it just felt like that was going to be the drive where K State totally finished them. And that, that was just a, you could not have asked for a better drive. You know, it took what four or five minutes off the clock, just straight down their throat eight, on the ground. And it ends in a touchdown. Eight rushes for 85 yards. And really I thought the biggest play was the very first play of that drive. You're backed up at your own 15 after the penalty on special teams. And Malik Knowles takes it 30 yards on a, a jet motion sweep, which K-State clearly saw something. Yeah, I mean, I, You know, they, Too it's kind of right. ironic. I think, I think Malik Knowles had, two carries all season the 75 yarder to start the year and maybe one other carry on the year. And then he gets two touchdowns. There was one point where Malik Knowles had three, four carries on the season and scored three touchdowns on four of those carries. Um, and then you know, I, I thought Malik Knowles played one of his better games, actually, even though the box score won't, won't necessarily show that only two catches for 10 yards. First of all, that catch over the middle was a heck of a play to go up and snag it. But just what he did in the running game, the kick return game, blocking, I thought Malik Knowles played a, a fantastic game as well. So, uh, yeah, to get that, get off your own, not necessarily goal line, but get out there to the 45, and then you could just pound it uh, in the running game. That that was a huge drive and just put the game away. And that that was that was a relief because it just KU just kept hanging around, hanging around, and it was frustrating that you couldn't just completely bury him. But then they did. Well, and how about I mean, I'll, I'll make this point on Malik. After that catch, I'm watching him jog off to the sideline and like, I mean, shook it off, got right back into the game because I just with his, and it has granted, it's been a while now since this has been an issue, but with his injury track record throughout his career, I'm sitting there like, oh boy, okay, that was a really tough shot he just took. Like, what's going to happen here? Man, just a warrior now. It just speaks to the growth and development of Malik Knowles. You know, I mean, there's there's not, there are not as many of those stories in college football anymore because of the portal and, and how everything works. But Malik Knowles has stuck it out, you know, through some transfer rumors multiple times throughout his career and has turned into exactly the kind of dude that the K-State needs here at the end of his career and displayed, uh, mm -hmm. I think, a, a ton of toughness with that. So shout out to Malik. All right. Are there any any other kudos, anything else uh, from your notebook in the in the game when we're talking about what happened to the actual game that you guys want to get to here? Uh, no, I, I'd like to give kudos to the official that talked the uh, the the stupid ass ref out of the pass interference that tried to flag Brent's from, was he 40 yards away when he threw that flag? Uh, I'm just, I was completely, it blew my mind. Uh, yeah. 
but yeah, a shout out to the guy that was within that who had the call and, and talked him out of that because that was a huge play. I, I don't have anything else in that game, guys. I, I thought, you know, just an all around business like solid performance, got the job done. And I would just say, don't discount how much pressure was on these guys in this situation, the coaching staff, the players, you know, I would have been, I was a nervous wreck, obviously, but to, to have that, the high stakes opportunity against your rival, you know, with them having nothing to lose to win by 20 is very impressive. And uh, yeah, just very business-like effort. Well, is it though, Cole? Because I, the, the Kansas, the official Kansas stand like stance, the official talking point, the platform, if you will, from the, the Kansas national party is that uh, Kansas Kansas played well enough in that game that the, the streak is assuredly ending next year in Lawrence. It, it, we've seen bold-faced declarations even from those who have not been very good with bold-faced declarations before uh, that, that the streak is ending next year in Lawrence. So I, I don't I don't know, Cole. I, was, it, was it really that impressive? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'll be curious what the uh, the line looks like next year in that game. That'll be a, that'll be a very tough matchup. But yeah, I, I, I saw that uh, – was it the uh, the Bry Bry sticker guy, Bryson sticker, that said that this would be a playoff team or New Year's Six team if uh, it wasn't for special teams? And I was like, your defense ranks 127th out of 131 teams in points per drive. Like, they, uh, there, there's some definitely irrational fans there. Uh, well, I was my uh, Scoopmeister declared it a win next year already. Uh, oh wow! Well, the, very credible opinions there. Yes, so. he's he's got a strong track record of accuracy too. Yes. Correct. Yeah. About about as good as that guy who was reporting on the Lane Kiffin situation all week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's real bad, too. Um, I, what, I'll, I, what I will give credit for to KU is the, the KU teams in the past, they would have probably, you know, gone into the fetal position and laid an egg the rest of the game after they went down 23 to 7. I knew this team would probably stay in the fight and kind of, you know, make it at least a three quarter game. Um, they've, they've definitely made strides. They are no longer a incompetent system and program. Um, now, just like Kansas State at one time, they need to upgrade the talent a little bit and maybe make some better, you know, in game decisions and stuff of that ilk. But at the same time, um, they've come a long way. Yeah, I mean, look, don't don't get it twisted. Here's the deal. I mean, I'm I'm tongue in cheek and having my fun here. But right. That's because Kansas clearly is worlds better, and you guys know I've said that on the like I've been the guy defending Kansas every step of the way here. That's, that's been right. my role here on this thing about it. And that, yes, I mean, they're, they're legit, man. I mean, that was K-State is a damn good team and it did take a lot of, I mean, th there was Kansas continually put the pressure on you. They did not go away, which I, I certainly didn't expect them to the entire game. They made a world of progress. The annoying thing is that with a fan base that has not watched football in 15 years coming into a five and O start to, to get these lofty, ill-advised expectations of what the season is, where they are in regards to a program that climate has put in four years of blood, sweat, and tears to, to get to this point and this moment. That is the part where it's like you, you needed to be humbled a little bit there, a lot of folks. So that's that's where this comes into play. Is that going to be a really tough game in Lawrence? Hell yes, it's going to be a tough game in Lawrence next year. But, I mean, K-State's won 14 straight of these things. And, by the way, this wasn't like one-year rental Adrian Martinez quarterback that beat Kansas. This was – revelation will howard who's playing like potentially the best or second best quarterback in the big 12 conference will howard here which dramatically changes what what next year looks like for k-state so it's just 
Let's just be easy. I understand, Hawks. You got a little, you got a little high and mighty there off that five and zero start, and you need some copium here at the end because it didn't work out the way you wanted. You finished six and six, and you got thumped in Manhattan again. That's where all of this comes from, from me. Okay, so just a little, little heart to heart for my Jayhawk brethren there. All right. Yeah. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I, I would agree with all that. I, I have a lot of respect for Lance Leipold and that coaching staff, you know, especially after watching them in person. I mean, where I'm most impressed is obviously their scheme, but they've really gotten a lot better up front. You know, on that offensive line, especially that that was a huge weakness for them for years. And you know, they they lead the Big Twelve in sack percentage allowed. That you know, they've only given up eight sacks all year, and and they mostly kept K State out of the backfield, out of Daniel's hair. So you know, they they've made a lot of strides. There's no doubt about it. But yeah, there was just a lot of chirping all year, right? I I really enjoyed last night. I had trouble going to sleep because I was enjoying so many of the tweets being brought up from KU fans after K State lost to Tulane with. All the chirping from KU fans talking about how K-State fans actually thought they were going to be good this year. You know, we're the better program, et cetera. It's, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's clearly still night and day. Kansas State is in the Big 12 championship and KU's 6-6, six and six, which is a huge step for them, no doubt. But there's still a pretty big gap. Well, let's let's walk through some of this logically, too. Kansas spent – Kansas Twitter spent half the week – willing Chris Kleiman to Nebraska saying that he was the definitive favor for the Nebraska job. Okay. So he's a good enough coach for that. Yet you're sitting here saying definitively he's going to lose next year in Lawrence. Like he's this great coach for this job, but yet at the same time, not good enough. To, I mean, there's just a lot of uh, logical inconsistency here. Look, I understand it's Twitter. I get how it works. I understand the game. And by the way, I feel like Cole, you're right. I've got a bunch of stuff saved in the bookmarks. I feel like I was pretty nice last night. All right. You know, I kept it to a little more general bit the entire night. So I, I could have been, I could have been meaner. I could have been meaner. You you did touch on it a little bit there, Kurtz. And I almost want to bring up that conversation when you brought up Will Howard and the level of play. Well, we kind of almost had it. And I think in the group chat, who's the uh, second team, all big 12 quarterback. Yeah. I mean, that's what, what was his final stat line from last night? Well, he threw for 213 in the first half, but I don't think they completed a pass in the second half, so he might have finished at 213. Yeah. He was yeah. uh, he, he was 11 or 21 for 213 yards, but really a remarkable 10.1 yards per pass, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Now, the 10.1 yards per pass, to be fair, is inflated by an 80-yard screen, right? Yep. But, yeah. you know, Will still made some really nice throws. And, uh, how again, there were a couple third and longs where K-State converted. Um, Will Howard delivered the ball right on the money. So, you know, I was actually looking at his final numbers for the regular season. 
9.3 yards per pass and a, a passer rating of 170.2, 13 touchdowns, two interceptions, 63% completion percentage. And I was going to check to see where that passer rating would rank him, guys. That would rank him fifth in the country if he had enough snaps um, behind Max Duggan, who's number four. And the yards per pass, uh, let's see if I can get that for you. The 9.3 yards per pass would also rank him fifth in the country, actually ahead of Max Duggan and just behind C.J. Stroud of Ohio State, who has 9.4 yards per pass. All right. And I, I don't think he's had enough of a sample size where he's going to be anointed the all big 12 second team quarterback. I just don't think that there is a scenario where that's going to happen. Um, he still hasn't played enough to even qualify for some of these statistics that Cole just laid out, as he pointed out. He just doesn't have enough, you know, playing time because of it. But he is the second best quarterback in the Big 12 right now, um, or one A, or or a one B to Max Duggan's one A. I will, I will say that too. And if we're going to talk about last numbers a little bit, eleven of twenty-one for two thirteen, um, and it was a one score, one touchdown pass. I want to say maybe two. No, two, um, yeah, two, two. Well, he probably has another one. Um, if not for a drop, I think Malik. Yeah. Philip in Malik. Oh yeah. Phil Brooks. I thought when he was on it was either a post or a slant there where he dropped it right in traffic as well. Um going towards the north end. I think he catches that. There's a chance he slips through and goes to the house as well. So yeah, eleven of twenty-one, maybe not his best completion percentage on the day. And I will grant to the receivers that some of it has to do with a wet ball as well. Um, those conditions were not easy, but he, for the first Time this year, I think he was a victim of some drops as well. That would have improved that accuracy. You know what? You know what really impresses me, guys, is he always keeps his eyes downfield. You know, how many times were I was screaming run? You know, he he slid the pocket. He doesn't panic. He he maneuvers the pocket so well. He slides around in it. He senses pressure. And the multiple plays where I thought he should have taken off and ran, I think of obviously the Sammy Wheeler touchdown, right? He just kept his eyes downfield, manipulated the defense, then looks back and finds Wheeler wide open. I also think about a 24-yard pass to Phillip Brooks where he slid the pocket out to the left. He could have ran, but he kept his eyes downfield and hits Brooks right in stride for 24 yards. I mean, he, you know, Adrian would have ran probably in those situations. That's not a knock on Adrian. I'm not trying to take a shot there, but that's just the difference between the two of them, I think. And, you know, I, I love it. I mean, he's he's just been so good, and you now have a, a great quarterback moving forward in the future. Look, if he finishes this season the right way, it, he's going to have two big stage opportunities, Big 12 championship and likely the Sugar Bowl. You know, if he finishes out strong, you're talking about maybe a preseason first-team all-Big 12 quarterback, right? I think you are. And he, another thing is he's really good on third down right now. Yes. Um, Really good on third down. Um, he's probably not going to be the second team all Big 12 quarterback, but it's not going to be a West Virginia quarterback. It's not going to be Deckers. Jalen Daniels got hurt. It's not going to be Sanders. Oklahoma hasn't had enough quarterbacks there. Tech hasn't had anything there. Duggan, are they going to give it to Quinn Shapen. Ewers? They'll give it to. It has to be Ewers or Shapen. They played the most. No, no, Blake Shapen is terrible. Well, then it's going to be Quinn Ewers who really hasn't been outstanding either. Terrible too. Yeah, te Texas, Texas all of a sudden became a, a tremendous team when they stopped letting Quinn Ewers throw the ball. <laughs> like that's Texas became great when they said, Quinn, no moss. Let's just give it to Saquon Barkley 2.0, who's in our backfield. 
And Quinn Ewers is probably going to be the default second team All Big Twelve quarterback. I think I can give it to Dylan Gabr- or, uh, Gabriel, who yeah, finishes the year Gabriel. six Gabriel. and six season. Great, great year, Brent. Great year, six and I, six. As, who, could have, as, who could have ever campaigned for him as K State said? Ewers even is more deserving than Gabriel, and that's not saying a lot. I know. Uh, did you see what Oklahoma did to him? They threw it to him again. What they did to him, how they got him I, – I, that's the only highlight I've seen from the Tech game. Full disclosure, I have not watched any of it, but I just saw that pop up on Twitter. I was like, how are you doing that to Dylan Gabriel? Did you see it, Cole? No. I they, like, threw it – They a, a wide receiver reverse pass thing, and they threw it to him rolling out on the sideline. But the guy leads him right into a defender, and he just got <laughs> destroyed, like uncomfortably destroyed. It was uh, – yeah, it was a hell of a hit. Hell of a play. Uh, I just – I want to – take this moment to take a shot at Oklahoma. I know that we don't always, by all means, I know that we don't always do this on, on our podcast, take shots at other teams, but I will take this moment to do so. Spencer Rattler um, at South Carolina, back-to-back wins over Tennessee and Clemson. All of a sudden looks like a, you know, a prolific quarterback, a five-star that he was once was Caleb Williams, probably your Heisman trophy winner. Lincoln Riley, probably going to win the PAC 12 at USC and maybe make the national championship um of course if, if they make the playoff or he's at least going to make the playoff if they win in the Pac-12 championship game and in Oklahoma who basically was divorced by all three of those men um is sitting there at six and six with a guy that they said was a, a pariah of a coach and that they would uplift them over all of those losses so um I imagine Oklahoma fans are either still in denial that it's going to work out or they are having um, second thoughts on how the last 12 months have unfolded for that program. Look yeah. Um, how about, did, did you see Stuart Mandel's tweet where he got, he got a bunch of crap for picking them seven and five in the preseason. And he came back yesterday and said, you guys were right. I was an idiot to pick Oklahoma seven and five. I was like, Stu, that's a good tweet, my friend. Yeah, I hate you, Stu, but that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, look, the people like it when we take shots. DYU'd already went up the press box. Well, we had a shout out to the family yeah. from Lincoln who listens to our show, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. They came by uh, yesterday to the tailgate and told us how much they enjoy listening to the pod on their drives down and they, uh, to Manhattan for the games. And uh, it was great to meet you guys. Appreciate you listening and uh, tuning in. But, yeah, they, they enjoy all the shots we take at the Huskers. Uh, so glad we can provide some entertainment and that the, uh, the shots are worth value to some of you because we, we do spend a considerable amount of time mocking other programs in the neighboring states for sure. Like like Eli Drinkowitz showing up with a cigar in his mouth for going six and six, yeah. you know that's that's great too. I mean, that, that's what I want to see from my head coach. If I'm a Missouri fan, you know that's six win season. You beat Arkansas. Let's show up with cigars. Yeah. Hey. It, um, well, I sorry, D.Y. Go ahead if you guys. I'm I said there. if there is a coach, maybe that is deserving to doing that. Shane Beamer. Props to him. Well, so that's another thing. He was at Oklahoma, right? I remember yeah. Shane Beamer getting like a, a, a casual mention or two in that Oklahoma search, and like oh, Josh Josh Heupel, ten and two. Heupel, ten. Yeah, I'm I'm adding this to the list. This is going to be content for my YouTube show tonight, Dy. Thank you. <laughs> Josh Heupel, Shane Beamer, Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley, Spencer Rattler. Yeah. Sorry, oh, Oklahoma right. fans. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is that is good stuff, man. By the way, speaking of you know programs that we kind of bag on sometimes, I don't. You guys see the Iowa State game yesterday? A you, guys, burger. 
You guys, yeah, you guys see what? Now, on one hand, that is rather concerning because Iowa State has a great defense and, you know, K-State's about to see that off. <laughs> but four and eight, ending the season with that thud. Um, Couldn't, be me. Couldn't be me. Well, um, I was trying to figure out how they got 62 on that Iowa State defense, wondered if they just quit on the year. When I looked up the numbers, TCU only had 377 yards of offense. Hunter Decker's threw – Hunter Decker's threw two pick sixes. Dude, uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, there, uh, Iowa State had three turnovers. Uh, yeah, 377 yards of offense. It wasn't that dynamic. So don't don't get too fearful, guys. It'll be fine. K-State's what, minus three or uh, plus three against TCU in the early pick'em line or uh, spread? Uh, two and a half on FanDuel because I already, I already money lined the cast. So I, I used my winnings. The only thing that I made the entire year, I used the free sign-up bonus or whatever to do K-State over six and a half. And then I took those winnings and reinvested in the money line for this week. So I'm all ready to go. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're Iowa State with Hunter Deckers um, playing the way that he did it, did this year, that they have a top quarterback recruit as well. Just kind of like Kansas State with Avery Johnson. They have that J.J. Cole guy that was at the Elite 11 and played pretty well. You have to think maybe he comes in with a with a shot to play early. Yeah. John, or, do you think you can just, uh, you think through your connections again, you can just get us all tickets to the Big 12 title? You know, you know, you, you seem to work the magic with that. Uh, well, I'm not, I'm not sure if my magic extends uh, outside of Manhattan, unfortunately. That's, uh, that's the problem. But hey, if any of my guys that have, that have hooked me up with tickets have it, have the inside track to a Big 12 championship ticket and they would like to donate to the uh, John Kurtz NIL fund, uh, please, please let me know. Um, no, look, I will gladly, I, I did start thinking on the drive home. I was like, you know, I've been thinking this whole time, like, you know, don't put the cart in front of the horse. Hopefully it'll be big 12 championship. Hopefully it'll be sugar bowl. And I was like, you know, like, of course I'll go and it'll be awesome. And then I started thinking, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to have to like actually pay for things now. <laughs> like that's, that sucks. <laughs> but... <laughs> well, you might be in the van with us. So, uh, you are, you'll be covered there. We'll take care okay. of your, uh, your travel potentially. Uh, but I mean, look, I, I just circling back, I mean, we talked about how big this year was for Chris Kleiman, right? And they hit it. They they got the job done. We all three predicted K-State in the Big 12 championship on the preseason show, and it worked out. They did just exactly that. They're getting to the Big 12 championship. The pressure was on. Their most talented roster, they came through. And when things looked down, they always responded and bounced back in, you know, dominant fashion. And, you know, we would get down and they would come back from that. The Tulane game, the Oklahoma State or the, the Texas game. You know, it, it was just it's such a a big deal to get to the Big 12 championship and to come through when when you're expecting it in the situations that they did. It's just it's a major factor. And like we talked about to begin the show, you're you're on the national stage and people are going to be talking about you on all those shows all week. K-State is going to be one of the big subjects. And having college game day there at the Big 12 Championship, that's a big deal too. And you guys mentioned Herb Street, if it's Herb Street and uh, Fowler. I mean, look, usually that game, Sean McDonough, uh, I believe, that calls the Big 12 Championship or Wishnewski. But, yeah, I think it'll probably be Fowler and Herb Street. So, man, that's fun. It's, uh, I can't wait to get to Arlington and uh, just take in the whole scene and cherish this moment. Well, how about – Paul Feinbaum going out on a limb last week and saying nobody's going to watch the Big 12 championship <laughs> game. And then not only that, it's, it's the most intriguing game of the day and game day is going to be there. And then, yeah, like potentially Fowler and Herb Street, like doing the game. Yeah, nobody's going to watch. Yeah. 
as they send their big pregame, the, the network sends their big pregame show. Well, Feinbaum will probably it's, it's, he'll probably be on it. He will be on the show, I'm sure. And it's the only one with two top ten teams. Meanwhile, the the Big Ten is going to send Purdue to <laughs> Big Ten is sending Purdue. LSU just got stopped by Texas A&M and plays Georgia, um, so that game becomes a lot less important. The back twelve actually is important. I'll give it to them. They've had a, yeah. a solid year and that game has relevance. So, but the ACC is the ACC and big 10, like, what are you doing? What are we doing uh, here? The, the other thing I would say, DY, when you came by the tailgate yesterday, there was a lot of weird things that happened on rivalry weekend, right? A lot of upsets, a lot of teams that had all everything to play for. Like you look at Iowa, you know, dominating Nebraska through the years. All they got to do is beat Nebraska on their home field, and they end up losing that game, and they were dominated for much of it against a terrible Nebraska team. Uh, you look at Oregon losing to Oregon State, Clemson losing wow. to – yeah, Clemson losing to South Carolina at home. I mean, all these upsets that occurred – I hate to mention Ohio State, Michigan, DY, right. but but it was, it was a crazy week. And so for K-State to take care of business the way they did, it makes it even more impressive because rivalries just are unpredictable. And there was a lot of unpredictable things that happened this weekend, but K-State did what they usually do. And that's when in, in dominant fashion against the Jayhawks. Yeah. It, it, to be honest, Texas took care of business, but eight and four, it's probably a little bit better than I thought they would do this year. TCU, man, they got doubted all year. They were probably the most doubted team just because they were in the national spotlight. And all they did was win. Well, you know what? Kansas state's got a, do what they did to Oklahoma in 2003 and uh, hand them their, their first L in the Big 12 championship. It's time for Kansas State to deliver some heartbreak to another fan base. So Fort Worth forever. Can't wait to see you guys down there. Can't wait. Do we do we have any quick take on the game? Jed, our producer, says it's down to uh, TCU minus one and a half. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard for me not to take Kansas State just because – the way that offense is playing and if their offense is a juggernaut too, I mean, there's a chance that not only is there going to be a lot of eyeballs on this game because as the most relevant, it's two top 10 teams. So everyone's kind of, you know, hyped in to see if TCU can go undefeated 13 and 0, but man, there is the potential to be a shootout too. I mean, this game could be 45, 42. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I say that, like, I remember feeling very strongly after the game coming out of that in Fort Worth, like God, give me another shot at these guys really want it. K-State's obviously playing even better now than then, because I mean, it's crazy to think like that was the game where we first found out about the Will Howard experience. Like that was yeah. again, the week leading up to the dumbest thing I've ever said on this pod. When I took my stupid little shot at Will Howard, like that was, was coming off of the heels of that. And, yeah. you know, we've come full circle on that. So K-State is conceivably a much better team. Uh, I think even right here, but at the same time, I do feel like, TCU handling their business. I did not think TCU was making it here unbeaten. So the fact that they've handled their business does deserve quite a bit of respect. We uh, need to unearth that uh, clip of you doing that. Too. Uh, do we? I, you I know, think it was. Uh, at the, I think it was at T-Mobile Arena. It was Big Twelve Basketball Media Day. It was. All right. You know what? Fair enough. If if K State wins the Big Twelve Championship, if Will Howard wins the Big Twelve Championship, we can we can bring it back up and play it. You can play it as many times as you want. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. I think Cole's frozen right now. So, oh, is Cole frozen? I was like, I thought I was like, man, Cole, Cole just checked out. I was like, okay, <laughs> that was, you know, he got he's a little too mad at me for the the Will Howard comment. But it's all right, good time to stop. <laughs> yep, I I think so. I think so. All right, well, 
It's 11 a.m. You know, if you want to celebrate, crack open a little 360 vodka, Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon. I think, you know, five o'clock somewhere. Uh, so go ahead, get that fired up. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate everybody who came by the tailgate. Appreciate everybody who hung out with us live uh, here watching the show today. We'll be back at it uh, midweek for sure with a Big 12 championship game preview. May try and squeeze in a basketball pod there also. I mean, how about that? The boys getting it done with the, the Cayman Islands Classic championship on uh, Flow Hoops, of course. So lots, lots to talk about and a lot of really good things happening right now in the world of uh, K-State sports. Thank you for being with us. Enjoy it. Soak it all in. Have a hell of a week. And uh, we will talk to you soon here on 3 Mile. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.